doesn't. All right, let's get our Bibles out this morning, and let's all turn in the Word of God this morning to Matthew chapter number 26, verses 36 to 31. We're going to speak on the subject of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was a wonderful, wonderful, peaceful place. In Matthew chapter 26, uh, much has been written in the way of songs and beautiful hymns about the garden. I like the one that says, I, I come to the garden alone when the dew is still on the roses. Uh, he talks with me and he walks with me and he, and he shows me I am his own. I love that song. Uh, so in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane means a small place or a small farm. There's a couple of uh, interesting uh, definitions of the, the word Gethsemane, but it comes from a little small place. <laughs> and the Garden of Gethsemane was found uh, by the brook Cedron or Kedron, uh, and we'll see that in a minute. But Jesus often went to the garden. It was not a one-time event. He was known to have gone to the garden with the disciples uh, many times so let's go to chapter 26 and hold your place there let's pray before the message and let's ask God to speak to our hearts this morning our father today we thank you for the wonderful uh, the the uh, the suffering although it's not wonderful but in a way in the way it is Lord we thank you for the sufferings of Christ too that we can identify with him and we pray that that you'll bless us as we take a look at his sufferings in the garden today. And uh, Lord, we pray that we put all the thoughts of the world and all the stresses and the problems and, and, and all the confusion and the sin of this whole world, Lord, this upheaval of sin and, and degradation and destruction and uh, division in our country, Lord, we pray that we put that aside for a little while and help us, Lord, this morning. To focus in on what happened there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you will make yourself real to our hearts today. Help us to imagine ourselves with you in the garden. And Lord, we ask God that you'll do something great in our heart. Help us to suffer once in a while. Uh, help us to engage ourselves in, in your sufferings. That uh, agonizing sometimes in what you agonize with and Help our joys to be your joys. Help us to think the way you did. Help us to act the way you did and to love the things that you love. And Lord, we pray that we would identify with you. We pray that we would walk with you and enjoy you. And Lord Jesus, we pray that we would uh, not so much just talk about you, but talk with you. We pray that you'll help us today. This is your church, Lord. We all belong to you. You have bought us with a, a terrible price of blood and uh, you gave your life to shed shed your uh, life's blood for our salvation and lord we thank you today that you promised that wherever we would meet together in your name that you would be with us so we pray and thank you god for your promise that undeservingly uh we know that we don't deserve your presence today but you did promise that we would meet in your name. You would be there with us. We thank you for that. 
We ask God that, Lord, you'll, you'll cause us to think about what you, what you did in the garden there. And we pray that it would affect us in our prayer lives. And we ask God that you'll all, that you help us all to have a better, more productive, more meaningful, richer prayer life. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let's go to uh, chapter 26 now. Just take a look at what Jesus did there in the garden. Verse number 36, if you will. Uh, we have this uh, terrible, terrible uh, incident that happened. Uh, Jesus was, uh, he was, it was the night of his arrest, actually. So he's going to be arrested. Uh, Judas is going to betray him. It was after the Lord's Supper. Uh, because Jesus was uh, exited the Lord's Supper, so he went out, and then he uh, made a deal with the Pharisees. So we pick up in that, in verse number 36. Then cometh Jesus with them, his disciples, unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter, and the two sons of Zebedee, that's uh, James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. That you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, Behold, uh, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. This is such a tragic, tragic scene. There's so much going on in this particular event. But I want you to know something that just before that night of Jesus' arrest, as he was in the garden, 
it's so it's so important for us to realize that Judas knew where he would be. Judas didn't go with him. Judas just knew where he would be. Jesus never told Judas that I'm going to go to Gethsemane and pray. He didn't have to. His life was filled with prayer. It was consistent. You, you know, right now, uh, our neighbors ought to know where we are. We're not serving God in, in private, in secret. We're serving God openly and honestly. It doesn't matter if the whole world knows we're here today. Jesus was oftentimes taking his disciples off in prayer. It was not a retreat, but it was an advance. Jesus took his disciples and taught them how to pray. It was in the Mount of Olives. Let's go back to Luke, or go ahead to Luke, please. Real quickly, want to share with you some verses that will uh, enhance our story this morning. Luke chapter number 22, verse 39. It was a beautiful place. <clears throat> he, it says, and he came out and went as he, as he was wont. That means he, he was always there. He, he was often there to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. Uh, so we have this story where uh, we're continuing Luke chapter 22 in a minute. Uh, but uh, he was in agony. He began to be sorrowful. His heart was broken. And as the story goes, the poor disciples were giving it their best. And by the way, if you pray and you fall asleep, uh, I don't want you to think, oh, what a terrible, rotten sinner you are. The flesh is very, very uh, powerful, and the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak as far as that goes. I mean, it's powerful to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. It's weak spiritually. You're, there, Paul said there's nothing good in your flesh. Um, so don't, 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 don't put your flesh too high on a pedestal and, and make your body, the, 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 uh, although it's the temple of God, but don't, don't worship your body. Don't worship your body. Don't make your body the greatest thing in the whole wide world. It's just a vessel. Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so those disciples, that when they prayed, they, they, weren't, they weren't evil people. They just were wore out. Uh, but you know what I see here? I see this uh, disciples, they did the best they could, which is never good enough. You know, we, we try, don't we? We try to serve God. Anybody trying to serve the Lord? And has anybody ever come short of that? <laughs> Don't beat yourself up. You know, God knows that you. he loves you and he will accept. But what you see here is a picture of the disciples. And by the way, they were the, the, the most wonderful men that Jesus could pick of their day. They were the, had the greatest hearts. Jesus wouldn't pick somebody that was useless and didn't have any integrity. Jesus wouldn't pick somebody to, to be an apostle if he didn't see some uh, uh, some potential in them. He, he, he called them. Many are called, but few are chosen. He chose those men, and he chose them knowing full well what, what kind of men they were. So he knew that they were great men. By the way, the apostles are great. Do you realize that? They weren't just run-of-the-mill uh, schleps out there. They, they, weren't, they weren't frumpy, dumpy people that didn't have any care, concern, or character. They were great men. Jesus knew that. He saw that in them. In fact, in the New Jerusalem, there's going to be 12 gates. 
uh, the, the names of the apostles are going to be engraven in the foundation of the city of New Jerusalem. These were not, uh, not run-of-the-mill, every mundane people, although uh, they were in their professions. They were just normal. But man, he saw something. And God knows your heart, and he'll see something in you. If you have a prayer life, you can enhance your spiritual life in prayer. You can actually become a stronger Christian if you would uh, take time to pray. You'll, be, you'll grow in the Lord if you take time to pray. When you pray, you commune with God. When you pray, you, you're, you're, you're heard. God hears his children's cry. And so when we're praying, and so the apostles, you know, when they fell asleep, aren't you glad God didn't get mad at them? In fact, he went, see, get the picture here. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 22, and we'll hold our place there for a minute. I just want to say, so Jesus takes his 12, 11 disciples at that time and he goes into the garden and he tells them, I want you to wait here. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to, I'm going to go about a, a stone's throw away. You take a rock and you throw it. That's about how far Jesus walked. But he left the bulk of the disciples there. Then he took three, the three inner circle the three closest, I believe, to the Lord, Peter, James, and John. He took them, and then he went a little farther, and then he told them, now wait right here and pray with me. I need your prayers. And by the way, if a Christian tells you that they need your prayers, you better pray. We're not joking when we say, hey, would you pray for this? Can you pray for me? Listen, let Let's not just use that as cookie-cutter Christianity, like, yeah, I pray for this, and pray for that, and pray for this, and pray for that. No, no. This isn't a bedtime prayer. This isn't a, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. Well, if you put some meaning to that, it's really important that we pray for one another. Amen. It was so shallow when I grew up. We never prayed as a family. We never prayed. I don't remember ever praying one time that I can remember with my dad. I think maybe maybe when I baptized him, I, do, I don't remember. And, well, Thanksgiving, that's different, right? I think praying for your food is good. We do every meal. I think our prayer life should be more than what we're expecting to put in our tummies. What's your prayer life like? Well, I pray every time I eat. I think you ought to do more than that. For me, and uh, this, isn't a, this isn't a criticism, it's just the way it was. Uh, I don't know why, but I was singled out at, at Thanksgiving. And uh, my, my parents said, would you like to pray for us? Sure. You know what I did? I, I memorized uh, kind of a ditty. I don't think you ought to pray with a ditty. I think you ought to pray pray with your heart. But I was always hungry. I said, come our Jesus, be our guest. Let this food to us be blessed. Amen. Um, that's about the only prayer I knew. That doesn't do it. The food was always good. But he did answer prayer. But I think my prayer life really started when I asked Jesus to come into my heart and be my Savior. And that's when you really learn how to pray. Prayer is a ministry that you and I all are supposed to have for each other. But prayer is wonderful. Prayer can be supplication. Prayer can be intercession. 
Prayer can be giving him thanks. You can pray while you sing. You can sit and quietly pray in silence. You can pray with your heart. Um, in fact, you don't have to have a lot of fancy <clears throat> language. You don't have to know the right words. The Bible says we know not what we should pray for. So that tells us you don't even have to know what you're supposed to pray for. Some people get criticizing us Christians say, <clears throat> you have to have a list and you have to be specific and you have to be uh, detailed in your prayer or God's not going to answer your prayer. Nonsense. Nonsense. The Bible says we know not what we should pray for as we ought to know. But the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Bible says when you get down to pray in the Spirit of God because you're a believer, you don't even know what you're supposed to pray for. But if we get down and pray, though, God will help us, and he, it'll, you'll be praying in the Spirit. In other words, you're communicating with God. You're suffering with the Lord. It takes time. Praying is work. Does everybody realize that if you have a real prayer life, it's going to take some work? It takes time. Uh, we shouldn't have a prayer like, Lord, you know everything. You're all powerful, so do whatever you want. Amen. <laughs> Boy, there's a Calvinist prayer if I ever heard one. <laughs> you want to hear an Arminian prayer? God, please help me. I just need you again and again. I, I need some assurance. Oh, Lord, you know, could you do this? And then, and do you remember that bolt that needs to be tightened? Will you remember that little, uh, you go into detail and pray as if it's all up to you. <laughs> I like somewhere in the middle. Amen. I like a balanced prayer life. But hey, when I'm in a hurry, I don't know what to say. You know, I was in an elevator one time and it was breaking down in the brand new building. I was, I was one of the maintenance crew on this building. We were getting it all ready for the tenants and we were fixing stuff and building. And, and uh, the elevator guys just put in the brand new Otis elevator. It was brand new, beautiful, $42 million building back in uh, 19, uh, tell you what it was, it was 1986. And I got into this elevator and we were the only ones in the building kind of getting it ready. And I pushed the button to go down and it skipped. I don't know how many floors it skipped. I was so scared. Man, that I mean, the cables were bouncing. The whole car went, go boom, boom And then it started going like this. And my prayer life got real quick right then. I backed up against the wall and said, come on, God. That's all I knew how to say. I was scared to death. I don't know what's going to happen when I'm scared. Like, come on, God. Yeah, that's, that's, it wasn't that. Episcopalian, you know, uh, that, that, that was nothing, man. I, I'm glad I didn't get, wait just a minute, let me get my beads out. <laughs> I, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I didn't have it, I just, just pray, amen? The, the thief on the cross, all he said was, would you remember me? But the, the key here is that Jesus, he, he always had that intense prayer life as a human being, he prayed all the time. He always prayed. And he tells us men ought always to pray, not to faint. Don't give up your prayer life. 
say, well, pastor, I pray for the same thing every day. Well, you're not praying just because it's repetitive, but he does want you to pray all the time. So keep your prayers fresh. Keep them sweet. Look what, the, look what happened to the disciples. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. He's in the garden. And here's another uh, example of, of this scene. And start with verse 39 with me. And it came to pass, or excuse me, and he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray ye that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. You see then in his humanity, he needed strength because he was praying. His heart was broken. Do you realize what was going on there in the garden? He was devastated. He could see the future. He knew what was happening. He knew they were going to come to get him. In fact, when he told Judas, go do what you have to do, he knew that Judas was going to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. He knew that he was going to be arrested. He knew that he was going to have to go to the cross. He knew that he would be scourged and whipped and, and abused and spat on. He knew that he was going to have his high priest come and take his beard and rip it out of his face. And they knew, he knew he was going to have a crown of thorns. He knew all this. He could see it. He knew exactly what was going to happen to him. He knew that he would die on the cross execution style. And that, human, humanly speaking, that could not have been something that Jesus would, would stand up and say, let him do it to me. No, no, that's not. He, 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 in his humanity, he was burdened down. He knew that he'd be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was expecting the most gruesome thing to happen to him that, uh, that he had never exp experienced before, and that was separation from his father because he knew that he had to die. He knew that God could raise him again, but he'd never died before. Jesus had never knew what death was. Jesus never knew what it felt like to actually expire and die and give up the ghost. Being that week after prayer, listen, Jesus prayed so hard that the intensity of his prayer brought blood to his forehead, and he was exhausted in prayer with such intensity that God the Father sent an angel to help him and to minister to him. That's what it says here. And there appeared an angel, verse 43, from heaven, strengthening him. Why did Jesus need to be strengthened? I'll tell you why. I think is because he was absolutely worn out. He'd been mistreated so badly. He knew he, he, he was hated. He was called a devil. That they tried to kill him other times before. But then when he exhausted his heart and prayed in the garden, he gave it all. He gave it all every time he gave something. He gave everything to us. He gave his heart, all of his heart. He gave his ability, all of his ability. He gave his relationship and his riches. He became poor for you and me. He gave up all the wealth of heaven to become poor and, and, and be born in, a, in a, a manger. 
in some stockyard area, some 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 uh, some cattle-driven area uh, out there in the in a manger. He gave it all. And look at verse 44 with me. Let's focus this for just a second. It says, "And being in agony, agony, he prayed more earnestly." He didn't give up because he was in agony. He prayed more. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he arose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear, and we know that was Peter. You know, Jesus told them to go get a sword. Jesus told them to sell their coat and buy one. So it's not, uh, it's not, it's not too uh, far to understand why Peter felt that he would protect the Lord. But that's not what Jesus needed. Jesus needed people to pray. Now I want, to, I want you to know Jesus doesn't need anybody to pray for him now. But he needed those disciples to pray for him. And I'll tell you why. Because... We don't, we don't know how much was done by the devil because they fell asleep. We just know that Jesus said, pray that you enter not into temptation. I don't know what would happen. I'm not a prophet. But I know that something may have been different in their lives had they stayed awake and prayed with the Lord. Certainly he needed their prayers in his humanity uh, he was God, no doubt. But aren't you? You know what I can see about this is is a wonderful thing. God's compassion on us, because we're not anything different than those uh, those disciples. We're the same. Some of us are a lot worse, but those disciples were the best of the best. But you know what? The best of men are only men at best. And Jesus went on. He didn't ridicule them. He he wanted them to pray. But I think more was for for themselves too. Could you not wait? Could you not wait with me and watch with me pray with me together while I go yonder? Could you just wait and would you pray that you enter not into temptation? Would you watch with me? Would you enter into this uh, this suffering? Would you would you be with me for a while? And I'll tell you what, Jesus Christ said. That if you suffer with him in any way, shape, or form, whether it's ridicule, mocking, or time, or give yourself to the Lord, God's not uh, unrighteous to forget your labor and, and your labor of love in that you've ministered unto the saints and do minister. He's not unrighteous. He doesn't count slackness as men count slackness. But he's, he's, he's faithful to us. He rewards us. He knows every drink of water that we've given. He knows every chair that we've ever set up for him. He knows everything, whatever you've ever done for the Lord. He's got it all written down, and he also uh, records your prayers. 
in the book of Revelation, the prayers of the saints are collected in vessels and poured out at the judgment at, at the judgment of the earth in the in the revelation. It says that the prayers of the saints are poured out. Well, I tell you, there's power in this prayer life that God wants us to have. We should be praying for our country, praying. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, why isn't America healed yet? I tell you, it's not because of the unsaved people. I don't expect uh, Governor Inslee to save this country. I don't expect uh, President Biden to change his mind. I don't expect Pelosi to change her mind. I told yesterday, we were out soul winning yesterday, and I knocked on the door, and a gentleman came. He was of the Sikh faith in uh, the East Indian faith, and uh, he's very cordial, very polite, but very stern and very rough. And he told my daughter and I that all religions are the same, uh, whether you're Muslim or Hindu or Sikh or uh, Christian. And he tried to lump them all together. And I couldn't just say, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I, I couldn't say that. So the best way I could, I said, no, no, there's a difference. There's a difference. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I had to tell the truth. I couldn't I couldn't just say, well, okay, I, I'll just be mamby-pamby and I'll go along my way. Your religion's just as good as mine, I guess, you know. But I couldn't act like that. I don't think the Apostle Paul ever said that. I don't think any of the apostles would ever say, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that's right. No, I tried to lovingly tell him that there's a big difference between the world's religions and Jesus Christ. I said, he's the only one that died on the cross for your sins. And I said, no, 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 no. All religion, the same. All the same. Oh, no difference. All the same. What am I going to do with that? I just was polite. It's his house. But guess what? They're not all the same. I, I really went away brokenhearted. I, there's no way in the world I'm going to get. I told I said, please, I hope you change your mind. And he said, never, never. I said, won't you change your mind about this? Never. Okay. Now, what am I going to do? I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I know Jesus. There's a difference. When I pray... I can communicate to the Lord. The whole world out there, they don't know Jesus. They don't have that wonderful relationship and that prayer life that the God has given to the saints. God hears them. He knows what they're saying. He knows all about them. He's looking for hearts that might be open. But I'll tell you what, just because they get in and they pray a big long prayer doesn't mean they're saved. It means they got to have that one prayer he's waiting for. However that prayer comes out, it might come out in sign language. It might come out with a broken heart on a hospital bed. It might come out any number of ways. But when that heart opens up and Jesus Christ sees that open heart and the cry of a lost sinner, why well, he answers that prayer. That's the first prayer that God's really interested in, really answering. I'm glad we have a relationship with the Lord. Can you imagine these disciples now? Three times he comes, three times he, he goes out 
and he comes back and they're sleeping. He goes out again the second time and he prays. He's in agony. He comes back and they're sleeping again. He goes out the third time. The Bible says three times he went back out to his spot and he prayed and agonized. And God, if, if there's any, you know what? I've, I've heard this too. And I want to, I want to give you a little thing to think about. You remember the angel came to minister to him? Uh, and he was in agony unto death. The Bible says he was he was so brokenhearted and, and heavy unto death. I believe that it's possible. It's, it's possible. Just want to give you something deep here to think about. That Jesus, as he was praying, uh, and he was totally exhausted, spiritually just agonizing unto death. It could be, I don't know if it's true, but it could be that maybe the devil would love to have killed him right there in the garden. I've never prayed so hard that blood came out of my forehead as sweat. I've never prayed that hard. I've had some agonizing times and I've had some really things that need I really wanted God to do. I have, I have fasted before many, 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 many times. It's not important how long, but uh, when, when you're down and you're fasting, remember, when he was on um, the, the, the time of temptation, remember, up on the Mount of Temptation, and he was 40 days and 40 nights without drinking and without eating. His, he's almost dead there, too. And the angels had to come and minister to him. It's possible that in, in, in that likeness, maybe, maybe Satan would have loved to kill him uh, just out of sorrow and, and uh, just an agonizing just exhaustion before the cross you know the the devil he he did he really didn't want jesus to die for the sins of the whole world and if he could have done it anyway he would have killed him earlier if he could have he would have taken jesus life any number of times they did try to kill him before but he he disappeared himself and he walked right through or some type of a miracle where he walked right through the crowd of them and they never got him and and and, and you know that even, even, even when he was a young child, a baby, uh, Herod was trying to kill all the babies. And if the devil could have taken his life, I think he would have. But I'm glad that the Lord said, no, I'm going to let my son go all the way to the cross. But he had several stops there where he was absolutely brokenhearted. I'm glad the Lord's on our side. And I'm more glad that I'm on his side. I'm glad we're together in this. I'm glad that we are um, identifying with the Lord. I'm glad he's, he's, uh, he, he's going to bless us for not being ashamed of him. But I think we could do better if we prayed more. You know, there's somebody in this room probably that could do a lot better job praying. I'll lift my hand up first. I could pray harder. I could pray more. I could put a little more into it. While Jesus was praying, Judas was doing his dirty deed he came with a pocket full of money and then he kissed the Lord. You know, he got what he wanted, didn't he? So, Jesus needed their prayers at that time. And they let him down. Peter forsook the Lord right after that, remember? And he, he denied that he ever knew him three times. And then the rooster crowed. Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And then he hung himself. 
All the disciples after that, the Bible says, forsook him and they fled. Folks, this is no laughing matter. This is no joke. This is no party. This is no uh, center for activity. This, this, this relationship that we have with the Lord is really intensely important. And we could do better. I could. All the disciples forsook him and fled. But let me tell you one thing that I really enjoy. Guess who the two disciples were that were closer, close to the Lord. After they fell asleep, after they denied the Lord, guess what happened? Peter and John were in the courtyard while the, the high priest's palace, Jesus was arrested and taken. But Peter and, uh, and John, that what they did was they followed the Lord kind of afar off and then Peter had to, you know, he denied the Lord, but at least he went a little ways. And then John went right into the palace. The Bible says he went into the courtyard. And in the hour of Jesus' greatest need, although John fell asleep, Peter fell asleep, and James fell asleep, after that, they, they, that, that wasn't the end of their service. They weren't condemned. They weren't forsaken and told to leave, and you failed me, and no, no, Jesus... He, he, didn't, he, he had meant much plan for John and Peter, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. In fact, James became a martyr. And Peter became a martyr. And John, because he stayed with the Lord. Remember at the cross, Jesus looked down. Who was standing there? John and, and, and Jesus' mother, right? And because of that, that faithful, consistent uh, heart that those disciples had for the Lord, Jesus took note of that. And Jesus looked and he knew while he was uh, being uh, just persecuted unmercifully by the guards and the high priest and in his courtyard uh, trial at night, which was totally illegal. He looked and he saw, he saw Peter there. He said, no, I told you this would happen. He didn't say that to him, but you remember what Jesus told Peter? I've prayed for thee and when thou art converted, strengthen their brethren. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. I'll never do that, Peter. I'll never do that. I'll die for you. Well, listen, I'm glad the Lord looked right through that and said, I love you anyway, Peter. I know, I know you've got a type A personality, <laughs> right? If Peter didn't know what to do. He just drew his sword and started swinging or preaching or whatever. God loves all of us. He loves John who had that calm personality that would, that softness that, that, that he would cause him to lean over on Jesus' breast and embrace him. And he loved Peter too. Two extremes. Where Peter said, I'll never forsake you. You know, it's like, yeah, well, you probably will. I like the, I like the attitude. Amen. I like, I, I like the uh, spirit. But Jesus looked and you know what he did with Peter after that? He let him preach the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved that day. At least. And baptized. That's pretty good. What he did with John? He let him write five books of the Bible. Peter wrote two books of the Bible. John got to go to the Isle of Patmos and get the whole entire picture of the end of the world, all the revelation that God gave. And he, 
Nobody's that special today, my brother. Nobody's got that kind of relationship with the Lord. These nuts that say, I found, I got a new revelation. Just buy my book. <laughs> you didn't get a new revelation. We've already got the revelation. There's no extra stuff coming. We got everything we need. By the way, how many think we got plenty to read already? Man, if, they, if there was another book, I'm still taking care of the 66. I don't really know exactly all of them yet. How many of you got, think, I talked to a guy the other day. Guess what he told me? Oh, I said, uh, he, was, he said, there's no hell. All you people that believe in the rapture are, are, are listening to the devil. Uh, it's just crazy. And I started giving him scripture and scripture and scripture and scripture. And I said, hey, let me ask you this. You know, I still have a teachable spirit. And I'm willing to learn something from you if, you if you would show me why you believe what you believe and how you believe it and give me scripture. And if I've made a mistake, I'll, I'll admit it. I, I really want to learn the truth. And I said, do you feel the same way? Do you, are you teachable? Or are you so ingrained in what you believe that nobody can teach you anything? And you know what he said to me? He said, I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> Case closed. The guy is unteachable. I mean, I'm still learning. I got, there's, a, there's enough in this book. I don't need any new revelation. Thank God there's none to have. We've got enough. Tell me somebody that's better than John that God would say, oh, I've got a new book for you. Have you heard of these nuts that say, I have the fifth gospel? These people that publish things that are extra biblical to make money? Listen, we've got a lot. We've, we've got plenty to learn. And John, because of his love for God, he was there on the island of Patmos, and he got the whole entire picture of the revelation. And God said, I want you to write all this in a book. It was an honor. And I think because John was there at the cross in the hour of Jesus' need, I believe that that's maybe one of the reasons God gave him that extra wonderful time on the, on, about the book of Revelation. And I think because of the love of those apostles, their names are going to be engraven in the city of New Jerusalem. And I believe we have a part too. You know what? These days, I don't think any Christian ought to run around and look for persecution. I don't think God's say, hey, I'm a Christian. Could you do something wrong to me so I can be rewarded? Or can I bug you enough? Can I, can I make you mad at me so I can say I was persecuted? That's a wrong attitude. But it does come. Persecution comes. They All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I don't want any of it. I don't want any, any of it. I don't want anybody to persecute me. But it happens. And I think that not only our persecution, our labor, but our prayer life will be rewarded. Folks, take, take a little admonition today and a little exhortation from your preacher. Pray more. Pray more. Put a little extra more into it. Let's go to Revelation 22 and I'll be done. Jesus in the garden, he needed, he needed that fellowship, I believe, with his disciples. And 
he uh, he he didn't get much. And I'm glad he he knows that we're just men of we're just flesh, we're just human. He he knows that. But if you go the extra mile, you're going to be rewarded for your prayer life. You're going to be rewarded for your suffering at any cost that you do for the Lord. Let's go to verse 8 through 10 of chapter 22, and we'll be finished today. Everybody get the message today? Do you feel like Do you feel like you've been told by the Lord maybe to pray more? That that's the whole thing, not out of guilt and shame, but just just an just a little oomph. Like I I think we could do better praying. All right, verse number 8, uh, Revelation 22, verse 8, and verse t- through 10. It says, I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, here's what he did. I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, the, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. So when we pray, you don't pray to Grandma, you don't pray to Uncle Bob, you don't pray to Mary, you don't pray to an angel, you pray to the Lord. You can pray to the Father, you can pray to the Holy Spirit, you can pray to the Lord Jesus, but don't pray to anybody else. Worship God. Let's bow our heads for prayer.